0: What we do with our bodies matters. It matters because we are our bodies. When we confess that we believe in the resurrection of the body, we are confessing that the bodily life we live is a life that is on its way eternally to becoming the body of Christ. I could end my homily right there, and that would be enough for us to chew on the rest of the week and for the rest of our lives. But let me unpack this just a bit by teasing out what Paul has to say here in his letter to the Romans, which I've really just summarized in brief. Paul tells the Christians in Rome that everyone has the potential to follow in the way of Christ or to turn away from Christ. As persons created in the image of God, each person is good by virtue of God's purpose for humanity. But God is love, which means that even though we cannot escape the truth of who we are in Christ, even though we are purposed for good and our end is God, we could, if we want, spend our whole lives We could spend all of eternity, if we so please, running away from God, running away from ourselves. Or we can give ourselves to the way of grace and truth, the way of love incarnate, which is an eternal journey toward God. So how do we turn toward the God who is love? Paul tells the Romans that to turn toward God, we must put on Christ. What we wear, says Paul, materializes in us an inner disposition. What we put on, whether it's the clothes on our backs, the mask on our faces, or our bodily movements, elicits corresponding desires within us. If I walk quickly down the sidewalk, for instance, I am less attentive to my environment and to those around me, and I am inclined to perceive others as potential obstacles to me reaching my destination. Extend this to driving in a car, and you all know exactly what I'm talking about. Drive a little slower down the road, And suddenly those people in front of you are not in your way. They're just in front of you. Likewise, if I'm wearing a mask over my face, even though the purpose is to keep others safe from me, what I may have that might infect them, the mask all too easily inclines me to perceive the other person, especially if they're not wearing a mask as a threat to my well-being. This is one of the perceptual risks of our current COVID situation, which we need to keep in check as a spiritual discipline. And this is why Paul speaks of the way of love as if putting on the garment, Christ. And he deliberately speaks of this garment, this putting on Christ as particular and peculiar movements of holiness. For Paul, the inner disposition of our desires, our thoughts, and our affections are inseparable. They're inseparable from our material or physical patterns of movement. In other words... You can't love your neighbor without actually performing works of love toward your neighbor. Love is not passive. Paul uses very basic analogies to get his point across. If you love your neighbor, says Paul, you won't kill him. Seems simple enough, right? If you love your neighbor, you won't sleep with your neighbor's wife or husband. Makes sense. If you love your neighbor, you won't steal from them. If you love your neighbor, you won't covet their stuff. Love, says Paul, does no harm. Paul is simply reinforcing here what he has already said earlier in his letter when he says that love gives life. Love celebrates the relationships of others. Love gives good gifts. Love rejoices over the blessings and achievements of others. Wake up, says Paul. Salvation is here, and this is what it looks like. What you do with your body matters. Let's bring this a little closer to home. I joined a group of clergy this past week for a peaceful observance to remember Daniel Prude and bear witness to the reconciliation of Christ amidst the violence and hate that fills our world. I'm always a little reluctant to participate in such gatherings because I'm really never quite sure what they accomplish or whether they accomplish what they are meant to And it often strikes me as these kinds of observances are exactly what Jesus condemns the Pharisees for doing when he says, don't be out praying in the street corners and in the marketplace like the Pharisees. And there we were on the corner of Jefferson and McCree, visible for everybody, praying on the street corner. We stood there as one clergy person guided us through an awkward meditation. Awkward because she invited us to focus on our breathing and the tension in our bodies as we stood on that very busy street corner with pedestrians and honking cars. Not to mention she spoke so softly while she was wearing a mask. And if I had not been standing right next to her, I would not have heard a single word. We then observed 11 minutes of silence, the amount of time that Daniel Prude was held down on the ground. As we stood there in our clericals, all piously silent, a few people wandered over to see this strange gathering of white folk in a black neighborhood, standing still and quiet. One gentleman came up to someone in our group and after watching us for a moment asked her, what are y'all doing? Quietly, she responded, we're observing silence. (laughs) He shook his head agreeably, and then he wandered off. But somewhere along the way, a black man pulled over to the curb where we were gathered, rolled down his window, and interrupted our silence, saying, y'all always want to come when the cop kills a black man, but you never come when a black man kills a black man. You guys are too partisan, if you ask me. It's not just cops killing us, he said. Our meditation guide encouraged us to acknowledge the interruption and to recommit ourselves in prayer, as if what he had just said did not demand our attention. But as he spoke, I realized in that moment why I had not wanted to be there. He had prophesied something I had not been able to put my finger on until that moment, an awareness of which for I give thanks. Black lives matter to us, he was saying, only when a white person has killed them. And the truth he spoke to us is that black lives matter not in relation to white lives. They simply matter. And they matter before their bodies are held to the ground or placed in the ground. Nobody who gathered for that observance last week would disagree with any of that. Nevertheless... What we do with our bodies matters. And what we were doing with our bodies bore witness to a claim that the prophet of Jefferson Avenue was naming that black lives need to matter before black lives are stolen from the earth. And they must be remembered even when they are not killed by white men. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he writes that before we can put on the garment of love, before we can put on Christ, we have to strip from ourselves the skin of our old self. We have to let go of that old humanity, the garments of the world, that the world would have us don the garments of fear, Greed, efficiency, vanity, self interestedness, a wardrobe we acquire long before we realize what lines our closets, all in the vain effort to preserve our lives and maintain the luxuries we have come to enjoy. When we indulge ourselves, says Paul, we become susceptible to fear. And hate because we become suspicious, suspicious of and anxious toward anyone or anything that may pose a threat to my keeping or enjoying what I possess. When we let go, however, and we make our way in the world through acts of generosity, acts of hospitality, In whatever ways, big or small, that we are able, we become free. We become free of self-concern and we begin to perceive others not as potential threats, but as yet another person for whom I can give my life. It is then that our feelings toward others are transformed. It It is then that black lives, for instance matter not because they died at the hands of white lives but because black persons are icons of christ created in the image of god purposed for the goodness of god this is an undeniable truth for followers of jesus the question for us however is the question raised by the prophet of jefferson avenue What is the relationship between my bodily movements and my feelings toward others, especially those whose bodies differ from my own? What is the relationship between my bodily movements and my feelings toward others? We are our bodies. We are what we do with our bodies. We are also the body of Christ, members materially, physically of each other. White bodies, black bodies, and the bodies of any other shade or color are inseparable because we are all united in the body of Christ. We are different, we are distinct. We are yet one. If we behave, if we move as though we are separate, we betray not only each other. We betray not only Christ, who is our life. We betray ourselves, keeping ourselves from our true purpose in the goodness and love of God. To become who we are, we must move toward one another with the movements of Christ, the movements of love that materialize in us, an increasingly hospitable disposition toward all people, toward the whole of creation. The mind cannot go where the heart does not. And the heart moves with the feet. Amen.